Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. Hello, and welcome to Trail Mix. I'm Mike. And I'm Dusty. Trail Mix is our short-form episodes here at Gaze at the National Parks, and it's where we get to dive into things we didn't get to cover in the long-form episodes and explore other areas connected to the national parks beyond the trails. Today's Trail Mix is about wildfires and forest management. This year, California experienced yet again unprecedented wildfires. According to the article... California wildfires on the cusp of burning 4 million acres so far this year by Alex Wigglesworth. The collective area of land that have encountered wildfires in California this year is larger than the state of Connecticut and has killed 31 people. It has destroyed over 8,000 structures, and as of Friday, October 2nd, it has displaced over 53,000 people from their homes. Those numbers come from the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. Before 2020, California's worst year for wildfires was 2018, when 1.8 million acres were burned and over 100 people were killed. 17,000 homes and 700 businesses were destroyed. These numbers come from the National Interagency Coordination Center. And for some perspective on this year, five of the 20 largest wildfires California has ever experienced burned in the last few months of 2020. According to the author Anne C. Mulkern, who wrote the article, Fast-Moving California Wildfires Boosted by Climate Change, written for E&E News on August 24, 2020, published on Scientific American, quote, the blazes threatened to outpace the state's ability to respond. Nearly all of California's fire crews are in the field, with some working 72-hour shifts. Oregon, Washington, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, and other states sent firefighters, equipment, or both. Officials said more than 13,000 fire personnel were on the scene, end quote. This first started during a week where Southern California was experiencing some of the hottest recorded temperatures, some days reaching 130 degrees Fahrenheit. The fires began on August 15th when more than 1,200 lightning strikes hit the ground within 72 hours. Okay, so let's talk about wildfires or forest fires mm-hmm. for a second. 
I remember being a kid and there was Smokey the Bear who yeah. was like, only you can prevent forest fires. Do you yes. remember this? Yeah. I mean, this was, I feel like the same as like McGruff the Crime Dog, where it was oh, like, right. let's animate a character to basically like teach kids about what's right and what's wrong and like how to be good citizens in some ways. Right. There was an owl, if I'm not mistaken, too, right? That was yeah, like an I education don't know who the owl, owl was. but I can't remember him. Right, right. Yeah. Yet I graduated college. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like the phrase only you can prevent forest fires is accurate, also misleading. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, yes, there are things that we can do to prevent them, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like the things that Smokey the Bear covered were necessarily the actual things we can do to prevent them. Like, yes, we should not be smoking cigarettes in the forest and just tossing them to burn. We should not be leaving fires to just, you know, burn like at a campsite. Like we should be putting them out. Certainly there are things on a sort of personal level that we can do that will help control or contain fires so that it doesn't get out of control. Yeah. And don't you think that though, that is something that, you know, I I don't think Smokey's messaging is bad. Obviously Smokey is still used today. Yeah. But I do feel like when it comes to the environment, there is this big push where it's like, it's on you, the people and like, (laughs) you know, yeah, global warming is a fault of all of us, but like, isn't it something like a hundred companies are really to blame for global warming and like their practices are basically driving most of the greenhouse gas emissions yes so yes while we participate in buying products and you know being a part of the capitalist system that we're in i'm going on a tangent here sure but i do feel like it's kind of like the same trope with Smokey. it's like only you can prevent forest fires but i do feel like along with that there are some management techniques oh certainly need to be adopted or readopted that have since gone by the wayside. Absolutely. Which brings us to um, wildfires and how they're made. According to Alejandra Barunda, the author of The Science Connecting Wildfires to Climate Change, an article published in National Geographic, she says, quote, in some ways, fire is simple. It takes three components, the right weather and climate conditions, plenty of burnable fuel, and a spark, end quote. And climate change is largely responsible for creating these conditions. Verinda goes on to say, quote, lower precipitation and warmer air temperatures dry the forests and other vegetation. Add strong winds and decades of fire suppression into the mix, and you have a dangerous recipe for wildfire, end quote. Dry vegetation will ignite quickly when struck by lightning, causing the spark of a fire. Daniel Swain, a climate scientist at UCLA, whose findings were quoted in the article from Scientific American, concluded this year that climate change has caused a higher number of extreme risk days during wildfire season. He also said that temperatures in California are up 1.8 degrees since 1980, and the precipitation has dropped by 30%. This means that the number of days during wildfire season that offer extreme conditions 
for the start of wildfires have doubled. And doesn't that sound familiar when we think about hurricane season? Oh, sure. (laughs) Sure. sure. He also concluded that it is estimated to get worse over time, expecting that average temperatures will increase by 3 degrees by 2050 unless we make monumental changes to greenhouse gas emissions. And even with a cut to emissions, it would still increase by 2 degrees. Yeah, this is not great. Uh, Yeah, no. No. So there is a lot of amazing scientific research and data out there about climate patterns, Mm -hmm. what's happening. And I've heard this talked about before, this idea that like, if we make monumental changes, we can prevent us getting to this place where it warms up this much, which like the result of that is... Catastrophe? Catastrophe. Death? Destruction? Um, War? The other thing is like, if we make some changes, some big changes, we can at least get to, we can prolong it before Mm -hmm. it gets to there. Right. But there is another tier here that like, we are going to reach no matter what. Mm -hmm. And the results of that are also not great. Yeah. I think about this moment where Trump was sitting with the scientists and they were explaining about like what's happening in the California wildfires. Mm -hmm. And he literally said that phrase. Well, I don't think that science knows. Right. And I'm just like, you know, like what gives what gives? Right. Well, that was then repeated essentially, but in a different way by Mike Pence during the vice presidential debate. Yes. Where it was like, well, you know, scientists say that, you know, we have no more hurricanes than we had over a hundred years ago. Yes, but they are stronger. They're more powerful. They are wetter. They last longer. Yeah. And clearly that's the same, a similar recipe that we're seeing with fires, just on a different spectrum. The conditions have prolonged the, you know, the abilities for them to grow. They've just, well, they've made it ripe. They've, yeah, made, the, totally they've made the conditions ripe for right. these terrible disasters to happen, which if we do things to stem the tide of that and reduce emissions and all that stuff, they will at least stem it and maybe lessen the severity of things. Right, right, right. Right. But something that Trump mentioned was like, blah, 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 forest management. We need better forest management. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to say that. You know, like it's very easy for him to just pass the buck there. Sure. You know, when it comes to that. But the thing about forest management is that there is definitely opportunity within forest management to improve. Mm -hmm. Regarding forest management, there does seem to be a path to a solution along with a resource that will provide the guidance. And that is with indigenous people. Enter Bill Tripp. Bill Tripp is the director of natural resources and environmental policy for the Karuk tribe department of natural resources. He recently wrote an article published in the guardian on September 16th, 2020 called our land was taken from us, but we still hold the knowledge of how to stop mega wildfires. Indigenous people prevented wildfires like these for thousands of years through a process called controlled burns. As Tripp states, quote, Prescribed fire and cultural burns are fires that are intentionally set during favorable conditions, sometimes at regular intervals to achieve a variety of socio-ecological benefits. They reduce the density of small trees, brush, grass, and leaves that otherwise fuel several wildfires. Clearing undergrowth allows for a greater variety of trees and a healthier forest that is more fire-resistant. 
and it provides more room for wildlife to roam with beneficial effects such as enhancing the success of our hunting. Fire suppression, meanwhile, involves extinguishing fires using teams of people, bulldozers, fire engines, helicopters, and airplanes by land management agencies assigned that duty by federal, state, and local governments, end quote. He continues on to say, quote, Our land was taken from us long ago, and our indigenous stewardship responsibility was taken from us too. The land is still sacred, and it will forever be a part of us. We hold the knowledge of fire, forests, water, plants, and animals that is needed to revitalize our human connection and responsibility to this land. If enabled, we can overcome our current situation and teach others how to get it done across the Western United States, end quote. But many things stand in the way of the Karuk tribe creating controlled burns. It is often cited that they, quote, don't have the proper environmental clearance for burning under the National Environmental Policy Act because of a liability or because there aren't enough personnel available to supervise the burn. This year, it is because smoke will be bad for COVID-19 patients, end quote. He continues on to say, quote, we carry the same qualifications as the federal and state agencies when it comes to prescribed burning or otherwise managing fire. And we hold the indigenous knowledge that is needed to get the job done right. We have the knowledge to conduct cultural burning that is perfectly safe. And in many cases, we do not even need fire lines. Yet the federal agencies still do not allow us to lead prescribed burns on lands administered by the National Forest System, end quote. Okay, so Bill Tripp of the Koruk tribe wrote this article. He explains in the article that the Koruk tribe is one of the only tribes in America to actually retain the land that was theirs. Mm -hmm. They don't live on reservations. It's just this land in California is theirs to be the stewards of. There is land that runs through their area of land that is controlled by the National Forest System. Got it. Now, there's another article from NPR called To Manage Wildfire, California Looks to What Tribes Have Known All Along by Lauren Summer. It was published a month before Bill Tripp wrote this article in The Guardian. This is published on August 24th. But in this article, it talks about how the state of California or local governments of California have teamed up with the Karuk tribe and also the Yurok tribe in order to help manage wildfires. So basically what I've gathered is it seems like they're still at the beginning of this relationship. Like they have started to do this, but... Now they're in a place where things are so out of hand, the fires are really big. So continuation of that relationship, I think, is the thing that he's talking about when he says, you know, we don't like because of the environmental protections, all that kind of stuff. Like there's certain areas of land they're not allowing them to go on to to like try and help stop this, even though the fires apparently have entered their territory Mm -hmm. into Karuk territory. Something else that his article mentions is how there is, so there are these terms called burn bosses and burn bosses is a term associated more with like modern regulatory systems for fire control. Mm -hmm. It is the national wildfire coordinating group. Okay. However, the sort of approach is from two different angles. 
modern approaches or Western, I get colonized approaches mm-hmm. to fire support or fire management is from a place of trying to save human life and property and not from a place of like using fire proactively. Right. So a lot of indigenous fire practitioners have chosen not to become burn bosses because the two value systems don't align. Right. They're divergent systems. They're divergent systems. Tripp concludes with, quote, frequent prescribed fire and support for cultural burns conducted by individuals and families is the solution proposed by the Karuk tribe and Western Klamath Restoration Partnership. We can do this and we can do it together, but we need to permanently fund tribal programs that are engaged in shared stewardship activities and allow indigenous people to lead the way, end quote. We would also like to share with you two reports from the Department of Agriculture Forest Service. This one is called Native Burning in Western North America Implications for Harwood Forest Management by Charles E. K., which concludes that, quote, prior to European discovery of the New World, Aboriginal use of fire was widespread in both Western and Eastern forests. In fact, the Americas, as seen by Europeans, had largely been crafted by Native people, not created by nature. Thus, the only way to preserve original vegetation conditions in parks and other natural areas is for modern land managers to reinstitute historical burning regimes. A hands-off or natural regulation approach by today's land managers will not duplicate the ecological conditions under which eastern deciduous forests developed. Instead, Letting nature take its course creates highly unnatural conditions that have never before existed in eastern or western forests. Unless the importance of aboriginal burning is recognized and modern management practices changed accordingly, our ecosystems will continue to lose the biological diversity and ecological integrity they once had even in parks and protected areas. And the other report entitled Restoring Indigenous Prescribed Fires to California Oak Woodlands by Don L. Hankins, quote, it is recognized that the California Indians have stewarded the landscape for millennia. As such, the coupling of fire and culture are interrelated and interdependent in many California ecosystems, including oak woodlands. Colonization and subsequent governmental fire policy mandates have disrupted the cultural use of fire, which in turn has disrupted ecological functions where those fires are absent. End quote. So the first report that I shared with you was published in 2000, and then the second report that Mike shared with you was published in 2015. It seems like this has been something that people have known about for a very long time. The two reports that we just shared from have an exhaustive list of resources Mm -hmm. that dig very, very deeply into the crux of what those reports say with pages and pages and pages of data that prove these two points. These are just the summary of these two points. Right. So, yeah, it does seem like this is not a new idea. Right. It does. I'm just curious to see where do we go from here? And how, you know, as we record this episode in mid-October, how things will change in the month or so before this episode is released. Yeah. And also a question that I have that I'd be curious to to know more of, and this will involve research on my end, which we always encourage you to do your own research, um, is, you know, is it too late to integrate this fire season, the, you know, aboriginal practices that were in place? Or is that something that going forward needs to be 
you know, started at the beginning of what could be a fire season um, to right. to create preventative and prescribed burns, essentially. Right. Is there a way with the knowledge that is known already, is that something that could be helpful to the fire season once it's already starting and raging in the way that it is? Right. Right. Something I'm going to need to look yes. into. Yeah. And... I would also like to see indigenous practices, not only with fire, but across the board, considered and incorporated into policy and law and all of the things that we develop as a country to help govern ourselves. Right. Because it is clear that what we have done is not helpful. Right. Our indigenous people in this country are an asset to us. And um, and not treated as such. And not treated right. as such at all. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I do think that that would also help to drive policy to better recognize the indigenous people of this country and to better support and uplift them, especially after so much has been done to dismantle their society and to slander and to harm. And I feel like this is only something that if we can look to these cultures that have utilized the land in such a specific and careful and nurturing way for so long that we can then also work to embrace their practices and integrate them into practices that already exist and perhaps have them supersede those practices because they are in fact proven to be better through their history and through the practices that they've seen in the past. We have such an opportunity here to not fall into more patterns of systemic racism by excluding indigenous people from the writing of policy and law. I think that this horrifying time of wildfire in California will definitely lead to the writing of new forest management policy. And I really hope that they really take the opportunity to include the indigenous people of California in all of the conversations and shaping of those policies and laws. And to end this trail mix, we'd like to leave you with some more words from Bill Tripp. Quote, fire is sacred. It renews life. It shades rivers and cools the water's temperature. It clears brush and makes for sufficient food for large animals. It changes the molecular structure of traditional food and fiber resources, making them nutrient-dense and more pliable. Fire does so much more than Western science currently understands. End quote. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com and visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Skleos. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. We would also like to recognize, while recording this episode, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. Mm-hmm.